Trollodren, Legends and Lore. Episode 14, Ganatar. Well, hello and welcome to Trollodon Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey. And before we get started here, I want to take a little bit of a moment here to remind everyone who might not be aware that the second book in the Wizard King trilogy is coming out next month. That would be March, March 16th, 2020. I will be doing some events and promotional information uh, tied to it. The various things you can find out about at my website, chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. I also wanted to point out that book three is now available for pre-order. We did a little bit of a different system of release than what is normally done with publishers with Dark Horse. We had a, a much faster expedited process because I guess the whole trilogy was done and we wanted to get it out there and kind of piggyback on the other and not have you guys have to wait so long to get the full story. So it actually is, I think, a win-win for everybody. It is available, like I said, you can pre-order it on my website. There's a bunch of links to various places where you feel most comfortable making your purchase, picking it up, and that would be available as a print, audio, and ebook as well. I think even e-audio as well as an option. So again, all the links are there for those who might be interested in that as, as well as some additional information about the book in general. And book three, as long as I got you here for the moment, is coming out on August 31st of this year. So not not that far away. It seems like it, but it's things go so quickly now, especially as we get further along in the year. It'll be here before you know it. So just want to make you aware of that. Uh, again, book two is out. You can still pre-order that, but it is coming out next month. I will be doing some stuff there. And book three is now available, or I should say has been available for pre-order for a short while here. So with that said, let's transition back into the podcast. And this episode will be continuing the process of explaining more about the the gods of the Trilodrome Pantheon. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all of them in this season, unfortunately. There's just a lot of them. But I will get to the main group of them in this uh, these upcoming episodes, including this one. And we'll kind of, like I said, build upon that as we move forward. The idea, again, is to give you a general overview of who these people are what they're about, what they do, and kind of give you a different flavor and understanding for the world setting that you might not necessarily have just with your limited interaction with it, with the books, and, and so on and so forth. So last time we talked about Ngurthgal, who was the firstborn of all the gods. He had the unique and distinct privilege of being born a god from the beginning. He didn't actually ascend that way or steal that information or power from other sources like was done with his parents, Fakar and Zora. And if you are curious about Vakar and Zor, you can listen to previous episodes on them. You can go to the website or wherever you're getting this podcast. You can also look on previous episodes about a whole host of other things leading up to this genealogy we're covering in this series so far. Now we're going to talk about Ganatar, who was the second born of Zora and Vakar. And he has a unique and kind of unusual distinction, unusual in the sense you wouldn't expect him to be named this, but he's named the head of the Pantheon. And we'll get to that in just a little bit here. But first of all, where where does he stand with relationships to everybody else? Well, first of all, he is the brother, of course, to Girthgal, Othone, Drayden, Cyrodiil, Aslak, Asora, and Cuthon. 
He is also the uncle to Perloza, Remanas, and Shiril, and he is the father of Cassilla and Endarian. He's also the husband of Othone, and he is the leader of the Light Gods, which we didn't talk a little bit about last time. Let me kind of cover that in briefly here. The gods are grouped into three different, I guess you can say, philosophical camps. And you have the light gods, you have the dark gods, and then you have the gray gods. And the light gods are basically kind of for an orderly, more regimented structure. I mean, they're, they're not against change and stuff like that necessarily. They're just more everything kind of has to make sense and have a structure and a purpose to things and, and, and direction and guidance, so on and so forth. Again, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. You can find a more distinct description of that on the website, chadcory.com, under the Trollodon page, specifically, excuse me, the Pantheon page. We'll give you more of a breakdown there on that. The Dark Gods are kind of a little bit, not to the extreme, but they are more just kind of a free form or more of an organic kind of approach to development and uh, design and, and uh, life and so on and so forth. So they're not necessarily interested in guiding or directing the progress or process of things. They're just kind of more or less letting the process happen and learning and, and using it to their own advantage, if you will. And then the gray gods, of course, fall somewhere in between that uh, ideology, kind of mixing the two together for various purposes and their own ends as they, they go about whatever they do. So again, more information about that on the website, but I kind of wanted to run by that because that is something we didn't cover with uh, Grithgal. He is actually the leader of the Dark Gods. And with Ganatar, again, why is he called the head of the Pantheon? Well, there was a situation that developed shortly after Grithgal established the Pantheon. And there was a process of debate and, and, uh, and voting and stuff where majority would carry the, the objects of the, not objects, but the matters of discussion and kind of facilitate a basic concept of majority rule and everyone's kind of working together for the greater good of, of each other and, and so on and so forth. Well, that worked in theory up to a point, but you had a play, point in time where there was basically a deadlock and there was a situation where they could not have agreement. They could not come to a final vote because it was tied. And so what happened was they needed to be someone to break the tie. They said they needed to be someone to kind of basically establish the direction of where things were going with the discussions and the voting process and things. And then they needed to make sure that they had someone to kind of break ties if any, any ties ever developed. And that's where Ganatar stepped in. He is the god of order and law, obviously. And he had a concern of wanting to make sure someone did it and someone did it correctly that they could trust. And I guess everyone else trusted him for the most part, and he has remained in that position ever since. So not only is he leader of the light gods, he is also head of the pantheon. So he kind of helps establish and runs uh, the, the minutes, so to speak, of their meetings, establishes the parameters of the council, and basically more or less keeps things moving along and makes sure they have the final resolution on things that need to be resolved. That's kind of what he does when they do councils, but he also, of course, like all the gods, is ruler of his own realm called Civis, and um, he actually has a unique distinction of being able to rule it with his wife, Othone, and that is very odd in the Pantheon, simply because while there are marriages, of course, and there are families, as we talked about at the intro here with the relationships and so forth, they are unique because they actually live together. The other uh, couples do not. They are married, but don't really reside together, which is kind of a, like I said, unique, strange situation. But uh, Ganatar and Othone have the unique honor of wanting to be together all the time and living together and actually sharing their own realms with each other. So it's 
again, that's kind of a unique situation, and they kind of got birthed into the mindset and uh, development of their children, which we might talk about more in future episodes. Some of his titles include Lord of Light, Father of Law, The Just One, The High Judge, King of the Gods, Father of Civilization, Keeper of Daylight, Lord of the Minotaurs, The Illuminated One. And he is, as we mentioned, the god of law, light, justice, and order, which is unique because he doesn't necessarily rule over the concept of good or morality or things like that. And sometimes people ascribe that to him, but that's not necessarily what he is about because he's part of the light gods and they have similar mindsets. He's more or less about law and order and justice. And so that, while that sounds kind of hand in glove with the idea of morality and goodness and all that stuff, he would just as soon rule for something that's lawful and orderly, even if it wasn't necessarily good. So that's kind of gets some people goofed up sometimes when he makes decisions or when he does things. And it's kind of sets him apart in the, the pantheon because there isn't necessarily any divinity or God at this point yet. When I, this recording, I have plans, of course, I can't talk about for changes and additions in the future here, but there are, at this point in time, there isn't real no divinity or power that manages morality if for you know good or evil. So he is, like I said, law, light, justice, and order. So that's kind of where he sits and what he sets up, and that's his mindset over what he is interested in promoting and keeping in the greater cosmos and in his own realm, of course, as well. And of course, all over Trollodron and, and whatever he can with the creation of Trollodron and the peoples and such. As we said, his realm is called Sivis, and he basically, like I said, rules that with his wife and uh, the people there that have come to be his followers. His followers, of course, are named Ganatarians, and they are, for the most part, f- pretty much follow his line of thought and what he puts forth for his religion, although he has different sects and different concepts of how to worship the God which he allows to various extents. And we're not going to get specifically into those because that's not what this particular episode is about. It's more or less about Ganatar, not necessarily his followers. Maybe that is for a, a different time. Um, he basically looks like a, if you would expect to see a Titan, a Trolodron Titan, that's kind of what he resembles, which means he has, uh, well, for him in particular, he has powder blue eyes, he has white hair, kind of porcelain skin, and he usually dresses in fine clothing or a type of regalia you'd expect for royalty or people of high standing, again, because that's kind of what he fits in with law and order and, and justice and that kind of stuff. So that's how he presents himself in general. Usually he has some types of elements tied in around his being that tie into the concept of light and illumination. So a halo uh, isn't unusual. Uh, or an aura, I guess, around him of light, which kind of can illuminate uh, for him as well. Usually he has a, I guess you can call it like a square cut of, of mane, of hair, kind of, it's not super long, but it's a little bit longer than what you'd expect on most most males in general, as a general rule. And he can, or depends on when you see him in time, but he, he's usually adopted now more or less a uh, uh, an oval goatee kind of thing, the mustache and goatee, but he's also been known to be clean-shaven as well. And he favors a bunch of different uh, weapons and things that he he uses, as well as shields and, and stuff, of course, when he's in battle. But um, he is also credited and known to be the founder or promoter 
or both of the Guitaric Knights, and as such, he often will appear or wear some of their regalia as well. Obviously, since he inspired it and wanted to promote it, he obviously has a preference or a liking toward it. So we'll get to more about that, to how that looks. But like I said, in general, he is there as a force of order and law and justice and, and light. And those are the things he focuses on and uh, gets into. He was open to the idea of the council initially. I guess I'm trying not to give too much away here. Um, and he works with the council. Actually, it's the three leaders of the different factions the gray gods, the dark gods, and the light gods that work together to kind of bring consensus within their different parties, and then they work together to kind of, again, keep the voting and the process of the councils in place and everyone moving moving more or less in the same direction. So that's kind of what he does. Like I said, he, he's there for law and order. He's there. He's a force that uh, has been a strong defender and a promoter of law and order and justice and, and things in the in the greater cosmos and Trollodon in general. One of the things we can talk about here is his holy symbol, and it's called the Hammer of Truth, and it's a gavel or a war hammer, uh, which is in front of the, the main image there, in the front of a four-pointed star whose longer tail extends to the bottom of the hammer's handle. Uh, when it's placed on hammers, the star, or excuse me, when it's placed on banners, the star is white, the hammer gold, and the background black. And when it's used for your priest necklaces, the image, the, the pendant, is imprinted in relief on a gold or bronze medallion with a black leather or silk uh, strip or thong or even a chain of gold or bronze holding it together or around the neck. And that, again, this varies, the stylation varies based upon the different sects and things, which, again, we're not going to get into in this particular aspect. But basically, when it comes to how people perceive him and how he's worshipped or considered, He's, he's kind of, like I said, depends on who you talk to. Obviously, people that follow him or follow the, the light gods in general will see him as the, the ruler of the gods. King of the Pantheon, although it is not necessarily the case, he's just more or less the ruler of the, the council. But you get the gist, now, I think, by now. Uh, he maintains the natural order of things and promotes the upholding of justice. He often is seen as a patron deity of courts for obvious reasons and lawful establishments and kingdoms. And he's also seen as the god of, of the day by default, since he rules over the light, which is held to be separate from the sun, which we'll talk about later, which is also tied into various ways of the day. He's also You can also attribute him to just basic orderly structure, the formation of the seasons. He supposedly was credited with the dividing of the land and the water. Again, just establishing borders, parameters, legal, you know, if, if you can think of it that way, legal parameters, legal structures, you know, this is how much it's going to work and how many days are in a month and stuff like that. He's kind of seen as the person who initially established those dividers and those divisions and set up the structure and order for the, the running of the planet and the basic concept of how life is supposed to go. Although if you want to go a couple steps back, it's not really him doing that necessarily. I mean, he's doing that for Trollodon, but in the greater cosmos, that was all going on before the gods came about. He just kind of came in and, and took over certain aspects of that and, and made it his own. Uh, he is served primarily by the Lords of Order and the Lords of Light. I didn't talk about that in the last episode. Let me correct that with Grithgal. He also has Lords of Darkness and Lords of Chaos. And this is in addition to the various incarnates that existed on the plains before they got there and made it into their realm. So 
Again, we're not going to get too much in that because there's a lot of people there, a lot of things we can cover, a lot of history there. This is meant to be like a basic overview or, or a presentation. And I think that is primarily what I wanted to cover for him in general. Just kind of give you a flavor, give you a basic taste for what they're about, who they're about, and where they are. He is probably, given obviously his place in the Pantheon and amongst the light gods and stuff, and the light gods you'll find out as we get further along in this series, are very well received in most parts of the of the world. For obvious reasons, you have, you know, we'll talk about the different gods in there, but they are basically the gods you might consider gods of civilization. So they are highly adaptable to civilization and highly favorable for what they promote in, in, in gender. So they want to be received by a lot of people in those areas. And it's only when you get outside of the, the civilized areas or the uh, race, uh, mortal kind race, racial areas that you start having different flavors of um, belief and different uh, religions and things that get more predominant in, in those areas for, for obvious reasons. But So it, that being said, he is probably one of the major gods on the planet, and probably even if people don't readily you know, bend the knee to him, they at least give him some lip service and say, yeah, they understand him to kind of be an important important god, and especially if they need some legal help or they need some protection or something. You know, they, they're usually pretty quick to call on Ganatar for aid, even like I said, if they don't usually worship him in general. So I think with that, we're going to wrap up this particular episode talking about Ganatar. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. I want to encourage you as well to, if you have any questions, commentary, concerns, or maybe I shared some things you'd like to know some more about, and that may give me some ideas for future episodes, do feel free to send me your questions. You can send them to lore, that's L-O-R, at chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E. Dot com And I will hopefully look to set aside, if I get enough questions here, set aside a podcast to, or episode, excuse me, to answer them and get to some things as well. Like I said, if you want to get some more information or maybe this is not what you want to learn about the gods, you want to go some other direction, let me know. I'll see what works out and how we can kind of fit some things together if possible and make sure it's a, of an interest for everybody involved. As long as I feel comfortable sharing information and talking about it on the podcast, I'm happy to consider and see what I can do to make it better and get some things to you. But otherwise, thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and week and month if we don't see each other again. Till next time. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.